0: Welcome, everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life i am your host natalie williams and i am here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and rest virginia dixon thanks natalie hi how are you good
1: (laughs) i'm exceptionally happy to be here today
0: as am I. As we am have I. a
1: special guest.
0: Yes, we do. <laughs> Today, we have someone very special to me to continue the discussion about Seasons of Life. He's not only one of Virginia's clients, but is also my dad, <laughs> JC Williams. <laughs> Hi, dad. Hi, you guys. How are you guys? Yes. Glad, Glad you're here.
2: here. It's yeah. fun.
1: It is fun because they say conventional thinking, I should say, is you shouldn't work with your friends. Right. Right. And you certainly shouldn't work with the husband and the wife separately unless you're working with them together. Mm -hmm, And there's all these you shouldn't do's. And here at Rest, it's all about building community and working together to understand or achieve deeper levels of understanding of what it is to live whole. And so we kind of break all those rules (laughs) since we don't diagnose, treat or cure And we do things in a little bit of an unconventional way. We're We're rebels. Yeah. We're about education. Yeah. (laughs) But it's been a joy to work with Natalie. And Mm -hmm. I know you know this, Jay. We've talked about this before. But Natalie was my client first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she said, Can you talk to my mom and my dad? And so it's been such a joy to see your family just blossom. If we could take a model of this and multiply it all over the country, we would heal the hemorrhaging heart of a nation like that.
2: Absolutely. I really believe that. And it's funny, too, because I was the proverbial donkey when I was first exposed to this idea. Right? Mm. You know, you kind of have a—everybody has like an idea about how life should go. And obviously, we only do what we know when we know what we learn. But what if you've learned the wrong thing? for many years, right? And so I just kind of thought, oh yeah, that's one of those psychological uh, (laughs) things. And I really don't need that, right? I'm I'm good right where I'm at. But when I saw the outcome of my daughter Mm -hmm. and just the blossoming that had happened with her, uh, wait a minute, you know, that's a head scratcher. Let's uh <laughs> let's check this out. And then obviously my wife, who by the way I married up is just phenomenal. You're both wonderful. Yeah. And I started seeing her blossom too. I thought, okay, it's my turn. Right. Yeah. And so but it was making the decision to do that. But when you asked me to come in today, I'm thinking, who am I that I would even have a story to tell? Right.
1: Well, you're the product of rest and yeah. you showed up. You were very skeptical. I remember the first Boy. time I met you. <laughs> and I remember the very first conversation we had. I thought, Jay, your brain is exhausted. Yeah. Can we just do a little evaluation to see what's going on up there? It was a dissecting. And, and dissecting. <laughs> Not quite, but I'll never forget yeah. when I encouraged you to consider Saracet. Yes. So that we could calm down the frequencies <laughs> and then we could start with a little from a little bit of a more peaceful place. And the thing is, you just showed up, and you took everything in. You were skeptical. You were verbal about yes. your skepticism.
2: Yes. But- electroshock. I thought. I'm so messed up. They're going to put me under electroshock. Shock. I'm going to be you know, <laughs> the experiment no, here. Was funny. But, uh, was it I was. wrong?
1: Well, it's been such a joy, and I'm so happy you're here. I love your transparency. I love your authenticity. Mm. I like your integrity. Mm -hmm. I respect your integrity. Thank you. And I think you have a humble, tender heart, but I know it didn't come easy. We've been discussing seasons of life, Mm. and I don't want to recap everything because I know you're going to have a lot to say, but... You, like so many people I work with, grew up in what felt like a little bit of a war zone and a lot of confusion and chaos and Mm -hmm. dis-ease at home. And you were Mm -hmm. kind of on your own a little bit to learn how to plant and learn how to train and all that. So I just wanted people to hear your testimony.
2: Yeah, I was actually completely on my own, really, even though my dad was a hard worker, Right. Mm-hmm. And my my mom stayed at home pretty much all the time. It was kind of like I was there, but I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to do things on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like to me right now, they might have a different perspective, obviously. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like, I got to learn this on my own. And I did, you know, just lived a uh, basic n- normal life. You know, growing up in Southern California, that yeah. you can. right <laughs> but uh, actually pretty spoiled uh, if you look back at it. but but really not having the support that I think I probably would have needed. But yeah. just realizing at a real age, I had realized to see that I needed to do this on my own, and I did. And part of it, I think was was really good for me because I didn't have to rely on anybody. but I could figure it out for myself that, <laughs> look, you can do this.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you, you yeah. had the can-do attitude for sure, mm-hmm. but tell me what those early years looked like specifically. Where did it lead you in high school and whatnot, in college, and what did, what, yeah. what did life become and why and how, and what choices did you make that you know were painful and hard and maybe not the best choices? But that narrative of being kind of in this battlefield continued Mm -hmm. for a long time for you.
2: Yeah, it's funny because I found acceptance outside the home, obviously, because it wasn't really didn't really feel like it was there. Even though my parents loved me, you know, it wasn't really expressed verbally and definitely not by my dad. You know, it's just kind of a painful place to be. So when I started going to school, I started hanging out with people who seemed interested in me right Mm -hmm. took an interest in me so and that would have been the drug group yeah right the the, the experimental group in (laughs) the 70s that was a big deal
1: yeah a family it became a pseudo family
2: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but you also need to know your limitations too so that was part of the wisdom I gathered from the group I was with that you you know those things could be experimented with but not necessarily so far that they put you under Yeah. You know what I mean? Some Um,
1: people never recover from that experience. Well, yeah, I
2: actually have friends still that have never recovered from that. Yeah. You know, and I'm in my early 60s. And so, yeah, it's amazing to see that they're kind of stuck Mm -hmm. at 15, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: Well, uh, yeah, that whole culture becomes an escape. The whole community becomes an escape. Yeah. And that's where you find comfort is in that community and in escaping Mm -hmm. reality, Right.
2: Right. So you got
1: into drugs
2: at a young age, a little bit. experimental and entrepreneurial. Yes. So so I was able to create a little bit of cash doing that too. But it was all fleeting, right? It was all, I I found out, I found early that it was pretty much kind of meaningless, Mm -hmm. but I kept in it because it was the only people that really cared about me. so by the time I was 16, I had realized I needed to just be away from home. And what I did Mm -hmm. was, I found a car that I wanted. My parents wouldn't buy it for me, even though they had the funds to do do it. My dad, which was really good for me, actually said, do "You need to go earn it." And so I did. I, I went down to the local. At that time, it was the gas stations. You actually was full serve, right? <laughs> so I had made friends with the owner. His name was Lenny Monroe, mm-hmm. and he owned a Shell station. And he hired me to work there. And I just cleaned well. Uh, windows and checked the oil and pumped the gas that's all i did mm-hmm. and i earned the money all summer all my friends were off out playing and i worked all summer earned the money for that car
1: did uh, you get away from the drug culture i did it actually took
2: it? me away from it yeah mm-hmm. i did
1: so you bought your first car I Bought my first and car
2: which kind of mm-hmm. which really bring my freedom right mm-hmm. it's funny because uh, today's youth some of them don't even have a driver's license and they're in their 20s Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but for us, it was like, oh, man, that's my freedom. Let me out. And that's exactly (laughs) what happened. And once I got my car, I was pretty much moved out. Yeah. Um, I had my stuff at the house, but that would be about it. Uh, You know, I'd come home and do my laundry and I but I was gone. I was living with mm -hmm. some college guys. We were just basically free. And at that point is when when the experimental part became a little increased. And so what really it looked like that.
1: freedom, really was and leading you into deeper bondage, though, right? Absol- absolutely, absolutely. Right. So yes. it looked Absol- like freedom, but it
2: looks like freedom, but it is. It isn't. isn't. It's not. We
1: often talk about concept principles of liberty, which yeah. is decisions of conscience, right? Mm-hmm. The function of the soul, and you know, I'm all about this. Yeah. And helping people understand that that's really the seed of freedom mm. is what you do with your conscience, and this you're getting deeper, deeper, deeper mm-hmm. into this idea of freedom but you realized in short order it wasn't freedom
2: it's total bondage
1: total bondage yeah yeah
2: Yeah. and that's exactly what happened when i so i come i did complete high school right Mm -hmm. i almost quit my my senior year like halfway through (laughs) and the counselor knowing that I was a good student, right, and I had really good grades, um, called me into the office. I'll never forget it. And she said, what blank are you doing? <laughs> and, and, I, and I just said, well, I'm kind of tired of school. And she said, look, you're going to quit on your last year. You're you right at the finish line, and you're going to quit it really woke me up. And so I finished. Yeah. but Because
1: yeah. when we get tired, when life feels like everything's a fight and we're on our own, mm-hmm. we do get tired and we do get weary yeah. and we think, okay, I'm exhausted. And we think that's going to bring us freedom and peace, but it took you deeper into a darker place. So what happened from there?
2: I graduated and I'm the very next day The very next day, I already had an apartment set up in San Clemente, California, and I moved in with some friends. During that whole time, you know, obviously, was dating different girls here and there, and that's really where the pain came in a lot of times is, Mm -hmm. and I wore my heart on the sleeve. Mm -hmm. I still kind of do, right? (laughs) Yeah. But I was engaged to a girl, and she actually had got kicked out of her house, so she was living with me and my best friend. And at that point, one weekend when I had taken off with some other friends I came home early and had caught them together that was a real lots of pain because not only was my fiance but it was my best friend right yeah Mm -hmm. and so that just kind of that's shocking sent me in a tailspin and I actually lost my job at the same time because I couldn't function I couldn't even go into work right I was
1: well it kind of reinforces these family patterns of being on your own and not being able to really fully trust yeah People well, and abandoned. so it's re- yeah and abandoned and mm-hmm. so it feels it's reinforced in love, mm-hmm. young love, and all that. That's yeah, it's a pretty dark place. Mm-hmm. And what happened from there?
2: Well, I, I basically stayed in my apartment for two weeks <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> until get that. A, until a friend of mine came and kind of rescued me. You know, we went the way of the of the of the weed, you know, and the coke, and I, so I kind of dove back into that whole drug culture, the whole yeah. drug culture there. And in the midst of that, I had a friend that I went to high school with that he went to Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. And as a surfer, you, that's one of the places you want to go. So he asked myself and another friend of mine if we would come over you know, for a few weeks and spend some time with him. I didn't have any friends, right? Or that friend, any, my best friend anymore. And my, and my fiancé was gone. So it was like, what the heck? Why, Why not? not? So I did. I left for two weeks and stayed five years
1: wow <laughs> two weeks five
2: years well when i landed over there it was just an amazing place he was living in waikiki he was what they call a beach boy which is like mm-hmm. a guy on the beach that you know rents and sells chairs and puts lotion on the ladies and <laughs> does surf lessons mm-hmm. and things like that Parasailing. all, all yeah. kinds of stuff all mm-hmm. kinds of great stuff he asked me if i wanted to stay and do that Mm -hmm. I said, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) My mom will raise no fool. (laughs) Right. So, but yeah, I mean, Hawaii in the 80s. Right. You know, yeah. So it was it was absolutely phenomenal.
1: Like I said, th- we've been discussing seasons of life, mm-hmm. and you just covered your mm-hmm. early childhood, your mm-hmm. adolescence, your high mm-hmm. school experiences, and now all you're kind of own. interest. Yeah, yeah. All and it own. seems yeah. like there were mm-hmm. some things internally that were spiraling down, even though outwardly it looked like you were free. Right. Inwardly, you're kind of crumbling a little bit. What was the turning point in Hawaii?
2: Well, you know. When we're out and about like that, we tend to get hurt even more, right? And, mm-hmm. and I was already a, a wounded soldier, yeah. uh, pretty much, right? So, So I kind of stayed in that whole scene over there for quite a while. And I actually ended up living on the Big Island for a little over a year.
1: There was a specific incident, a specific situation that Natalie referenced yesterday or the day before yesterday.
2: Oh yes, yes in Hawaii. Did this in Hawaii. Yes, so that's a
1: significant uh, traumatic. That was. So I want to say this: that when inadvertently, we grow up with a measure of chaos, yeah. and we're not adequately attached to mm-hmm. our loved ones, to community, and we find and develop these alternative communities to hang with. and yeah. In your case, acceptance. it was kind of exactly yeah. acceptance. Exactly, and it was a drug culture of some sort, some casual, some more serious, Mm. but it continued. And whenever you had that crisis situation here before you left California, that sent you into this tailspin and you left to Hawaii. But I wanted you to share with our listening audience how this specific incident, one of the specific instances besides the betrayal of this girl and whatnot, that was really a deep wound. It was a big wake-up call for you. And the reason this is important, I want you to tell that story, is because we don't realize when we have this measure of chaos in our lives that it's like life feels like a battle. Hmm. Everything... Feels like I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop.
0: Well, and it's not just that, but it's it's the fact of like Dad talked about it from when he was young and living in a home that had chaos. And and you didn't mm-hmm. mention this, but your parents did end up getting divorced.
2: Yes, they did.
0: Yeah, yeah and so mm-hmm. it's that measure of chaos growing up with it, you grow up with this normality. Like like this is normal, normal. this exactly. is life. This is what everyone's going through, which right. is where that can do attitude like, well if everyone else is experiencing this and this is normal then and if everyone else can do it, then of course I can yeah. do it. I need
1: to put on my big boy panties and just go yeah. do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there was that specific instance in Hawaii that I think was a real wake up
2: call. Yeah, it really was because, you know what happened he was a great friend. His name was Moa. He was from the island of Tonga. He was one, probably one of the friendliest guys you'd want to meet, right? Mm-hmm. But he also was involved with marijuana. And I, at that time, I was dealing a, deal. dealing a lot of it, right? And making a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. I was working the beach. so I'd see the tourists. <laughs> They'd approach me or whatever. And so there was a lot, a lot of that going on at that time right mm-hmm. specifically i remember moa he would go and pick up for me sometimes he had met some characters and i from what i understand they were actually on the run from the police from san diego and they had landed in waikiki and they wanted some marijuana and so i sent moa with it to go there to deliver it i'm not really positive exactly what happened but they ended up throwing him off the balcony uh, five-story from the hotel room that they were staying at and obviously they killed him you thought he was just making a delivery yeah well he was right (laughs) but i don't know what happened with what went on in the room but next thing i heard Mm. um he had died right and so obviously they they got caught they went to jail but it doesn't make anything change
1: what was that like to get that news where were you responsible
2: you You feel well i felt responsible right where were you in, you when you in, got
1: the call. Do you remember?
2: I do not. Yeah. Trauma. Even, it was yeah, traumatic. It was, yeah. Yeah. It, and that was, that's the wonderful thing about coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can alleviate all that trauma. You can let it go if you're willing to. Right? It's really
1: interesting because it's unprompted, but you're the third person mm-hmm. that mentioned faith and the transformative power of faith yeah and really helping you cope with all these seasons of life Mm. and in your case being very much on your own yeah when it all hits you at once it's hard to know what to do you feel like you're drowning
2: yeah that's exactly right
1: how did that death impact you and what happened well i stopped
2: i i pretty much stopped dealing i still used marijuana a little bit but not really as much but i stopped you know, I stopped that lifestyle. I saw that there's problems there, right?
1: <laughs> Yeah, Isn't that interesting how we have to get hit like with a two by four
2: mm-hmm. to wake up? Yeah.
0: It's like sometimes. Why? Not yeah. all the time. There's Not a lot all. of there's a lot of red flags leading up to that. But yeah. then yeah. Yeah. If but, we don't listen. But yeah. when we
1: grow up and all we know how to do is be on our own and Mm -hmm. fight and the terrain of life can be very scary and it's got a lot of complexities that we don't always know how to navigate
2: full of characters
1: it's like you said (laughs) you don't even know you don't know until something shocking like that happens sometimes yes you know your conscience is pierced you see you're kind of doing the wrong thing but like you said natalie you're so used to chaos that it's normal
2: right right yeah but it does take the, the traumatic things like that to really wake you up. At least it did for me.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. So what happens? You come back to the States.
2: Yeah, so I got the opportunity to come back for my brother and you know, be the best man and stuff. And I had planned on going back. I was just mm-hmm. going to go back and live my life. I and mean, I had a great job as a lifeguard on a, on a parasail platform. Yeah.
1: but the death of your friend was a real turning point so you yeah. come back home, you went to your brother's wedding right. and me- what, beca- what became of life? How did you get where you are? Because now you have this beautiful family you have a beautiful home in Southern California mm. you mentor people and help yeah. them
2: mm-hmm.
1: accomplish their dreams tell me how you got there
2: well, once I, once I found out that the girl that I had changed my lifestyle for, I'd left Hawaii for, I'd came back to California for, you know, really didn't want me, right? And so there was another level of rejection that was there. And here's, here's where grace really comes in. Remember the, the relationship with my best friend and the original one? Yeah. I ended up moving back in with him. After I came wow.
1: back, wow, wow, he was so still my and best he friend. We reconciled.
2: We reconciled. He actually was at the airport for me when I came in. Wow, he
1: probably felt horrible.
2: Oh, he felt probably. terrible. Are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and him and the girl had 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 a child and been divorced, oh. right? Because I guess she did it to him too. Oh you know, God! She would, so, but yeah, but if I somebody's cheating you know, a great on somebody guy.
1: else while they're with you, yeah, a, they're probably going to cheat <laughs> on you yeah. again. Yeah. yeah, unless unless they can heal from what ails them, right? Yeah. Right? Right? Because there are those transformative moments when you realize what am I running from? And these transformative experiences can change the, the trajectory of your whole life. Yeah. But your friend apparently completely went yeah. the other direction, but she continued to.
2: Yeah, do what she, do she what did. She yeah. did, yeah. Just
1: right, curious, so, was he humble?
2: Extremely, extremely yeah, humble. Yeah, yeah. And apologetic. Was. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was through. When that there's whole
1: repentance, thing. there's redemption. Mm-hmm. If there's no repentance, redemption is impossible. It's a law of nature. Yeah. Years ago, as a side note, my daughter called me from a public phone in New York. Oh. Many years ago. Tells you how many years ago that yeah.
2: was.
1: <laughs> and she was crying. And she informed me that her fiance was looking for rings. They want He wanted to take her out looking mm. for rings. And she was crying. And she said the nature of the wounds that he's inflicted during the course of our relationship. Love the family. They loved her. This whole thing. But have been so severe and so significant. And she said, and here I'm supposed to be happy. I should be happy. Picking oh. out my wedding ring. But you know what, Mom? I just realized something. She said, He never said, I'm sorry. I've wounded you. I've hurt you. And she said, I've got this gaping hole in my heart and I can't heal. Right. And I literally felt like I heard God say, And therein lies the principle of redemption, mm. of mm. repentance. If there's no repentance, there's no turning around, Mm -hmm. right? And with that comes humility and asking for forgiveness and all Mm -hmm. that, ourselves and others. There is no redemption. Mm -hmm. So there's no hope of redeeming a situation. So I think it's beautiful how this boy was young and foolish and whatever. He was mortified with what he did to you. But here you are, four, five, six years later, yeah. and he meets you at the airport, yeah. and I just love to hear that there was an actual "I'm sorry."
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Would you forgive yeah. me. He absolutely did that, before, and neither of us were believers, I guess. But later the principles, on I found but out, the principles yeah.
1: apply, right? Right.
2: Yeah. The well, I found out later on, though, that he he grew up in a family that they were church going. Right. Okay. So he's a person he, of he, faith. Yeah, he had some of that there, even though he wasn't really walking it when when we were uh, best friends. You know,
1: and you were kind of growing up in the streets a little bit, just doing your own thing.
2: Yeah, I was kind of doing my own thing, but I was aware of God and I was aware of the power of of what that was about. Especially when you get involved with drugs, you realize there the two there are different sides of the spiritual realm that you're oh, dealing yeah. with. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I hear that all the time. Oh yeah, it's very real. So, he he did all of that. Look, the guy was my best friend, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we had so much in common, still surfing and, and and things like that and you know, so
1: So in short order, you meet your wife.
2: She's yeah. a lovely, so after amazing I came to Christ, woman. I actually when I was living with Mike is when I when I accepted Christ. Because mm-hmm. that's when I really knew, when I found out the girl I come back for didn't really want anything from me i changed my life because i was going to stay in hawaii forever right Mm -hmm. and um at that point there was a breaking right even though i was with mike and mike really helped a lot with me during that time because he saw the pain that i had gone through and he he knew about that also right so there's and a number that, of
1: breakings, isn't there? Yeah, there there's is. just a number of breakings it, in life, and it's yeah. you wonder, what's that final break? What's it going to take yeah. for that final break to really bring me to my knees yeah, to see my own depravity and my brokenness? And, mm. wait, I was meant for more than this. and yeah. So you, so so you started I, going to church. I started and going to
2: church, and you got involved with that. And there's one thing that I always knew. I always knew I could not marry someone I met at the bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That the good women were at church. Mm-hmm. Where I got that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that might not even be true. But it was true to me at the time.
1: Yeah. It's that I- quiet, still voice that says, wait, you're not going to find what you need right. behind a bar. Yeah. Especially with the life you'd had and the experiences oh, yeah. you'd had partying and in the drug culture. There's, yeah, I have discovered that god shows up in amazing ways at bars too but i love oh that he protected
2: me the whole time Totally,
1: he protected you and intuitively you knew that you for years
2: <laughs> yeah he I has mean, a lot my, he i has could a tell lot. you some stories i would blow and make that your skin crawl but yeah. god was there so you met nancy and i met i, I came into church and in that whole story is very funny but uh, i came in that that morning and i remember that church was, the guy who brought me there took me there because he told me that there was a lot of women at this church, right? <laughs> but, but I had been praying that morning, Lord, tell me where you want me. Mm-hmm. So God used this guy that went to, went to that church because of the women, but God also took me where he wanted me. It's amazing. And so I show up there, sure, the place was full of women, and one of them being my was, now wife, right? Yeah, yeah. And I saw her and her little bow. And her hand raised, and man, I'm going, who is that, right? (laughs) But I wasn't there for that. I was there because God was teaching me how to be a man, okay? I was asking, Lord, make me into the man that you want me to be for my wife, Mm -hmm. right? I was ready, and I was done. Yeah, Um, life
1: can be exhausting.
2: Yeah, and and I was exhausted. And life does
1: become a battlefield when you do things your way Mm -hmm. and you try to find satisfaction in things that you know are taking you down it's exhausting yeah so you saw her and it's make me a man
2: yeah it was funny because god took away the, the marijuana pipe and gave me a sword and so that's that's when i realized i was more of a warrior for him than anything else and so it was just like god prepare me Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and you became
1: a warrior for life. It almost like you were looking for the life of your own heart somewhere. Yeah. In something, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something? Yeah. He took my pipe and gave me a sword. There's a t shirt. I like
2: that. (laughs) (laughs) A slogan. That's wonderful.
1: And you never looked back?
2: No, no, not at all. It's funny, too, because when I met my, my wife, she actually liked my roommate. It was a, a wonderful man named Pete Melody, and he was the youth pastor. And I was, you know, his assistant. I kind of left Mike behind because Mike didn't want to walk with God. Mm. I wanted to walk with God. Believe it or not, he is walking with God now. But no, I had moved away from Mike because he still kind of wanted to, you know, stay with the drug, drug, yeah. and I didn't want it, I didn't want that anymore. It was so empty to me.
1: And uh, once you have a transformational experience with the oh other gosh. side of yes. darkness, which oh, is light. Yeah. It's really, you can't go back. You don't want, it's not you that you can't, you don't want to go back. No. Now, that was a season of life, certainly, yeah. but then you got married and you began right. to plant and seed and learn together. Yes. So you began to really explore and experiment and enjoy what you really didn't have growing up.
2: Right right
0: well and and learning as fast as you could because within what two three years yeah
2: i was coming along two years yeah two Mm -hmm. years after we got married yeah being a parent is tough
1: and children expose i think all they're like a mirror to us in so many ways don't you think yeah absolutely And I know raising Natalie, she was amazing. Now she's an amazing girl. (laughs) But at the same time, as she became an individual, it took you into yet another season of life, which was was a lot of the things you ran from or you hid from or you didn't deal with growing up, she begins to expose.
2: Right, right.
1: And so that pilgrimage into rest, by the way, we talk a lot about what that looks like, peeling Mm. back the layers to say, wait a minute, what are all these pieces of the puzzle that Mm. make up my Mm. life? Yeah. So, what was that like? I Besides know, humbling, yeah, it was very humbling. <laughs> yeah. And
2: again, it goes back to you only do what you know, and you only know what you learn, yeah. right? And I did not learn how to be a dad, mm-hmm. so it was, I was on the job training. Right? <laughs> yeah, and so is. And I and I want a relationship with my daughter, right? I yeah. want that, right? And you want and the I one think, you didn't have? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And but. The thing about being a parent is sometimes you find yourself wanting to live through them.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so expectations get in the way, right?
1: Unreasonable
2: and and, expectations. Yeah, and you can't do that. You can't do that because they, they have their own life and they have their own way. And, and you've got to accept that and move on, right? And, that's and, a pa- and enjoy the successes. Yeah. yeah, and
1: that's another complicated yeah. process, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah.
1: We have to die to ourselves. I mean, we've got to. Be honest with ourselves and really die to a lot of our expectations Mm. for another person, knowing that I had my go of it. But something you said that really struck me, how in life you have to teach yourself how to learn. Mm. You have to teach yourself how to train
2: sometimes. Yeah,
1: because your parents did the best they could, but they didn't know.
2: Well, yeah, they only did what they knew. Right. Yeah.
1: But what mm-hmm. we don't have to teach ourselves sometimes is yeah. how to fight. But it's important to learn to fight well, right? To show mm. up like a warrior. And, and your fight used to be the pipe. But like you said, I exchanged my pipe for the, the sword, hand. which yes. is the whole counsel of the Word of God. Yeah. And it's living, and it's real, and it's mm-hmm. powerful. We're going to do a whole segment on the theology of rest. Mm. But it's really an amazing thing to see you two sitting here together in a room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and has it been three years? Since what? Since I met you? Two years? No, it's been two. Yeah. Two years. But the work mm-hmm. is swift. Yeah. yeah. Swift. Deliberate, intentional, and swift. If people show up and are willing to roll up their sleeves.
2: That's key right there. You have, you've got to be willing, Right. Yeah. And and there's, if there's anything that I've really learned, it's how hard-headed I can be. And, and Natalie knows. I got it from you. Well, <laughs> yeah. Natalie knows. Yes, so.
1: you share but, that in comment, I might add.
2: Yeah, But you
1: know, when you said hard-headed, it was funny, because I wanted you to talk about you're a very strong person. You've mm-hmm. got the heart of a warrior, mm-hmm. and now our listening audience can see why, to some extent. And mm-hmm. I know you're very diplomatic in how you address things and discuss things, and I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, you were pretty much on your own, and it was fight or die.
2: Die, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And there were numerous situations where mm. it, that could have broken you, but somehow God in His sovereignty sustains you through it. But you know what impacted me about you is you were very stubborn and very skeptical, and you didn't trust. Mm. And I'll never forget saying, Jay with everything you've gone through and this narrative that mm. you know that I'm looking at here and all these papers you filled out and just listening to you and watching you and hearing the things you're saying. I always say I hear with my senses, right? Right. But I listen with my heart. Yes. So seeing the disparity between how you were living and the weight of the things that your brain and your body we're caring. You have this beautiful life now in Orange County, like I said, mm-hmm. a house, a wife, and everything. But the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. And the narrative of all these experiences that your body was carrying mm-hmm. and how your brain was operating, I could see was in conflict with your deepest convictions. Mm-hmm. And I could just see you were tired. And I'll never forget, after you finished Saraset, I recommended you to the Sarasat office. Yes, and I'll never ever forget the look <laughs> in your eyes. I yeah. was, oh no, where'd Jay go? Because you were so peaceful and relaxed. Yeah, and it was
2: think... amazing. That whole that whole experience. You put your sword down. I think amazing. a
1: little bit. It was amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was definitely different than what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I mean, initially I thought electroshock, right? Yeah. I mentioned that earlier, but I'm completely different. Mm -hmm. You're completely different. My whole demeanor, yeah, I don't feel like I'm fighting.
1: When the brain goes into that deep state of relaxation, right? And it's an acoustic, it's a technology Mm -hmm. that uses and employs an acoustic mirroring system. So the same thing that happens when you look at yourself in the mirror, Mm -hmm. for lack of better resources right now to break it down but yeah. what do you do intuitively you optimize your appearance you fix yourself right. you fix yourself mm-hmm. up and the brain does that itself for yourself so it's nothing artificial that we do to you but I gotta tell you it was an amazing thing to witness it was like you found the resources you've been looking for all your life that's to exactly live the what life happened. you wanted exactly is it
2: yeah you know, it was funny because that's you, what
1: I saw yeah, describe yeah. that uh-huh.
2: yeah when you were explaining about how it worked it made complete sense to me, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, that's why I was willing to go into it because I think you need to have your mindset needs to be I, I want to do this. Yeah. It's not someone's making me do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and in the beginning, that's kind of like how I felt. I yeah. felt like, you know, <laughs> OK, I'll just do this. Right. But when it was explained to me, that's when I said, oh, yeah, I want to do this. I think that has a lot to do with everything in life.
1: Yeah, it's like a massage.
2: You have to, you know, a massage could
1: benefit you, right? And because you have knots all over, would you like to get rid of your knots?
2: (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) This is what was really amazing to me. I think, and the most I got out of it was the way I was able to sleep.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's
2: it. Um, Number one. Because you tend to wrestle. And, and when you're asleep, you really wrestle, and you don't know you're wrestling. You're not but having, you're wrestling. yeah, and <laughs> you know?
1: you're not having restful sleep, right? Right, yeah. right.
2: You're wrestling instead of resting. That's right? right. So, but that's what it was. But with Sarah and I think it was my second session that I really experienced the the deepest part of the transformation. I haven't been the same since, huh? Nope. No. Yeah. Except you for have, the slight, slight twitch I've got other than that. I'm <laughs> kidding. I
1: but I also it. want to say, look at all the reconciliation of the soul, the mm-hmm. mind, the heart, the will, the conscience, the feelings of your life and yeah. spiritually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Look at all that had transpired in those mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. So the brain came easy. Yeah, You know, there's all kinds of modalities we can recommend people do and we mm-hmm. employ that aren't as effective and transformational because people aren't willing to do the hard work of the soul, right. of the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience of feelings and saying, what am I doing with my life? I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting people. I'm going nowhere. Right. And this is going to end. I yeah. want to live with integrity. Right. So because you did, we did all that work, right? And you had done a lot of it with, like you said, on your own pilgrimage and with God. Yes. And by the yeah. time you came in here, you're like, Even though you were skeptical, it's like, okay, I'm willing to look at this if this is one of my last frontiers. And in fact,
2: for you, it Mm -hmm. really was. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and again, it comes back to testimony because I saw the change in Natalie, too. Totally. Not that she needed a lot to change. I mean, there really wasn't all that much to change, but there was. But when you see it, right? And that's what... Now you go, holy crap. Yeah, I was like, what's... (laughs) What happened?
1: Natalie was an athlete. Natalie, most people don't know this about you. You're an incredible athlete. It
2: was very gifted.
0: 15 years. 13, yeah. 13, yeah. yeah. And you had multiple concussions. Oh, I had over 10 by the time I was 21. It was very gnarly. But yeah. She likes to
2: bang her head. She's a headbanger. I'm a (laughs) (laughs) headbanger. I was in the punk scene for a little bit.
0: (laughs) But it was
1: transformational for you.
0: Oh, a thousand percent. Not just to the point of, you know, fixing all the stuff that happened with the concussions. Like my my sight alone was affected from the concussions and that Mm. fixed that and I was not expecting that at Mm. all. But I mean, the increased Mm self-awareness especially... And because I was in such a, a high state of fight or flight all the time, my mom always said that I should be a lawyer because I was very argumentative. And I already got the hard-headed from dad, right? So I'm getting easily triggered and easily frustrated by tiny things I'd kind of just build up over time. And then I just kind of explode. And mm. I was once described as a hurricane by someone that I was dating. The end of that relationship real quick. But it, it brought me back down i'm i was no i'm no longer in a state of fight or flight all the time it's the same thing that Mm -hmm. dad described when you're actually able Mm -hmm. to rest and you're not wrestling with yourself or Mm -hmm. with others around you and it's honestly hard to describe you really have to experience it yourself Mm -hmm. because every single person's different every single brain is different
1: but something like a a brain that's not balanced can make life feel like a constant ground yeah yeah Yeah. and it doesn't have to be that way um one of my dreams is to get kids in here Mm -hmm. sooner than later and get families there isn't any a single person that i know that couldn't benefit from it Mm. because whether you're a pleaser whether you're disengaged and you're an Mm. avoider whether you can be a vacillator and flip quickly yeah Yeah. or a controller or tend Mm. to be very compliant Generally, yes, there are the attachment issues, but they do manifest very specifically in how our brain works. So um, I know we didn't mean to go that route, but it's such an incredible. I get so excited about every time I I look at you, Jay, or I talk to you because you are not the same person. And like I said, I saw what it did for Natalie as well. It was transformational. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I've had that same comment from other people who've known me, even my mom yeah you know like, what's you know you're different and literally those words you're at rest They're at rest, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And these seasons of life have significant impact on Mm -hmm. our lives and how our brain adapts to cope, right? Right. The workarounds, our brain develops to cope. And it's certainly, we're about rest here. We're about reconciling conflict. You have uh, an amazing story, and I appreciate the diplomacy and the sensitivity with which Mm. you shared some things. But at the end of the day, those of you who are listening to us, have this brief conversation, we just want to encourage you that you don't have to live like everything's a constant battle Mm -hmm. and getting out of bed is impossible. You can step into a place of rest and heal and reconcile and that's what we're about. Yeah.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me come today and again, you know, who am I that I'd have a story but everyone's got one, right? And I think it's important the work that you do that you bring that to light. You know, it's not just the famous people that have stories. Mm -hmm. We all have one, right? Mm -hmm. Each and every person, each and every soul.
1: We Um, talk about how Mm -hmm. we need to lock arms. We need to stand together. We need Mm -hmm. to become instruments of healing in each other's lives. And thank you so much. Your story is—it's really meaningful to Mm -hmm. me personally. And I've seen the consequence of this in your entire family. And so, thank you so much, Jay. You
2: bet. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dad. <laughs> All right, everyone. Don't forget, our next day of rest is going to be local in Newport Beach, California on February 26th. There are still a few weeks left to register, and everything is on the website for you. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. Saraset is a non-invasive neurotechnology that Virginia commonly refers her clients to. If you'd like more information about Saraset, please call the Saraset Irvine office at 949-407-9020. Or if you're listening from outside our area, please visit saraset.com for a location near you.